Welcome to episode 185 of No Challenges Remaining, a somewhat emergency-ish episode, Courtney Nguyen, I feel like, I'm Ben Rothenberg, because we have news, or someone else has news, or Do someone we, else, I was going to say, I don't have news. I don't, <laughs> I mean, if we, in like the royal we of tennis, we are having a baby, it's not actually ours, it's Serena Williams's. She posted this morning, this is Wednesday, we're recording this, uh, a Snapchat, which we may or may not have been inadvertent with how Snapchat works of herself. Uh, the caption, 20 weeks, looking uh, somewhat pregnant, a little bump in her yellow bathing suit. And later this evening was confirmed by her rep that she is indeed pregnant and expecting a ch- her first child in the fall and therefore is off the tour for the foreseeable future as she awaits motherhood. So I guess, Courtney, this is something, obviously, full disclosure, and other Tennessee women say this as well, had been sort of in the wind in tennis for a while um, as Serena continued to not play and not enter tournaments. She didn't enter Rome, I think was the first sort of real flag for me that she might not be coming back anytime soon because she's defending champ there. And if you're going to play the French, you're going to play Rome. But I guess what what are your thoughts on this news? Your first thoughts as this story sort of uh, unfolded? Uh, I mean, as it pertains to Serena, I have thoughts about media stuff, but as, as you know, Oh yeah. Uh, but as it, but as it pertains to to Serena, I'm really happy for her. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that really struck me, you know, because I spent a lot of the day kind of thinking about Serena, that not to sound creepy, but part of it is my job. But um, <laughs> when news breaks, but I was thinking about you professionally. Yeah, I was I was you were on my mind and in my heart professionally. Um, but I was thinking back to like, you know, the last time that I saw Serena, which was obviously in Australia in mm-hmm. Melbourne, uh, when she won twenty three and she did her champions roundtable thing, and and I remember asking her very explicitly, like, look, like you have in the past always said, you know, I don't have anything to prove, I don't have anything to prove, I feel no pressure, but it feels like to me this is the first time I've seen you over the course of two weeks play a tournament where that seemed genuinely true that you were living that truth, and she looked me dead in the eye and she's like absolutely 100% like that's you're absolutely right like this is when I felt she just felt really settled and, and really calm and at peace um, yeah. throughout the two weeks in Melbourne and it really it really stood out to me because if you've listened to NCR in the past especially during um, 2014 during the run-up of her potential uh, completion of the the calendar grand slam 15, I was yeah. very oh sorry 15 um, I was very vocal about how much you could feel the pressure emanating from her, the stress levels. And it made me uncomfortable, you know? And so to, and so having lived through that in 2015 and, and, and a little bit in, in 2000 and, you know, 16, Melbourne was just like a different Serena. She was like super chilled out. Would you say and she I was, was like, would, great. would you say she was glowing? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think I ever said that to you. Like I never was like, Serena looks different. She's glowing, you know? I mean, but just like aura wise, she just was, she just was nice and chilled out. No. And that was the thing though. And to get to Melbourne, that's one of the things that people are immediately like doing the math on this because their caption for this Snapchat was tw- sidebar moral of the story. Like don't trust Snapchat. Snapchat is confusing for even veteran users. Um, but 20 weeks would mean that she was, eight or nine weeks pregnant when she won the Australian Open, which is, I guess, remarkable. People, it sounds remarkable. And we've seen 
recently pregnant women do big things in tennis before most recently victoria azarenka uh just last year um but yeah i guess another dimension to her run there which was one of her most emphatic i mean she didn't have the toughest last couple rounds um but that win over kanta in the quarters right was yep. one of the best i've seen from her in recent years and just the the way that she rose to that occasion because people were really circling that match from the beginning kanta was like the informed player had just won sydney and serena just wiped the floor with her serena did that well and and leaves it, the sport for now in her pre-motherhood era if she, if she does come back or not on a on a definite high note and you're right there was definitely seeing her just in her post tournament round table she did seem to have this obviously she's happy because she just won a grand slam but she just seems sort of at peace in a way that she doesn't always yeah and, exactly. And maybe, I mean, maybe that was passing Steffi Graf for good. I don't know. 23 was obviously a big one, but she just didn't seem, she just seemed, yeah, exhaling. And and she probably did know at that point that she was pregnant and was going to be out for a while. So I'm not going to speculate on a day in which there was an incredible amount of speculation um, that was running rampant all over the place. That was really, <laughs> really annoying the crap out of me. But yeah, I mean, I've been in obviously those, those post, those champions roundtables after Serena's one slams. And this was different. You know, obviously, I, I totally hear what you're saying in terms of, oh, she's she's in the afterglow of having won, you know, a, a Grand Slam, number 23, breaking Graf's record, et cetera, et cetera. But this was just different. And it really was something that was um, not just about that moment in the roundtable, but throughout the two weeks. Remember, this is Serena who you know, got asked that question, who would you take a selfie with? And and said, oh, I want to take it with you. And then actually, w- like, called him down and, like, took the selfie uh, with a journalist. Yeah. Um, she was pretty good. Na- she was really good natured um, in press conferences. And like I said, it would, I was being very honest with her when I told her that. I was like, I, you just seem... It's a different vibe. Yeah. You know, it's one we thing to be real tense for two weeks. Yeah. Exactly. It's one thing to be tense for two weeks and then be real happy you won. And sometimes, you know, would have this very polished veneer um, in her champions roundtables where she was, yeah, like not performance. I don't want to say it like a negative thing, but yeah, she was, she was putting on the show. She was, she was being as honest and as, as authentic as she could be in that moment. But this year in Melbourne, it was different. It it felt very unguarded. I don't know. And so it, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and maybe things look different once you look back yeah. on them and, and think of them in a different context as well. But I wrote about it quite extensively at the time saying the exact same thing. So um, so yeah, I mean, and, and all that is just to say that obviously now with this news being public and officially confirmed, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for her. She, she deserves good things. She deserves nice things. I'm super excited that Serena's genes continue into another generation, <laughs> that there is another baby. There's going to be a baby running around with, with Serena DNA. Super excited about that. What's not to like? Uh, pretty much. I don't, uh, yeah, I was gonna make a joke about her naming the kid Justine, but I think that's probably unlikely. So I guess there's a lot of different impacts on the tour. Let's just start with what this means for the rest of 2017 on tour. And Courtney, we speculated about possible French Open winners on our last show and dissolved into laughter at the idea of coming up with that. But Serena being out officially, I think it sort of clarifies things. And I think that it comes, I think the winner, quote unquote, of the rest of the tour, the person who hits the biggest edge is the person who turns 30 today. Is Maria Sharapova, who's, you know, is still a lot of unknowns about her when she'll be able to play. But Lord knows that she's run into Serena, especially in recent years, so many times in late stages of slams and has never gotten past her, famously. 
Um, and that seems to give more space for her and for everybody. I mean, now there's a lot more prizes up for grabs and someone, the, the road is paved for someone to really, to make a move, which not that it wasn't already paved or was, it was certainly unobstructed before, but now it's all the more so with Serena officially out, I feel like. Well, I, I will push back on this narrative a little bit. And if you want a more fuller, a, a more full discussion of this particular point, you can listen to the Insider podcast on it, which we just recorded. And David Kane actually discusses it in le- at, at length and rather passionately because he takes great umbrage to this narrative. Um, and so I will just vocalize it, which I agree with, which is that if you look again at metrics, at numbers, this whole idea of like, oh, it's an open field. Oh, there's it's a land of opportunity now that Serena has been removed for a roadblock. I will agree with that insofar as it uh, uh, it may impact maybe a little bit more certain players. So obviously with Sharapova's head-to-head with Serena um, and the number of times that she's run up against her at big tournaments, you feel like, okay, maybe that's something. A Wozniacki perhaps, you know, uh, two Grand Slam fi- – or not two Grand Slam, one Grand Slam final, I guess, against her just at the U.S. Open. But um, – but uh, but maybe that's one. But on the whole, it's not. It's a bit of a false narrative because if you look back at 2016, Serena played all four majors, and the people who won those, you know, three of those slams, played those majors when she was there, and they still were able to come through, and two of them beat her in the final. Um, so the, the, there were major underdogs in Kerber and Muguruza. So this idea of like, oh, it just opens things up for everybody. I don't know if that's necessarily I, true, especially I, over the course of the last two years, especially over the course of the last two years. Like it hasn't been as, you know, money Serena, uh, as, as people like to think that it is. There's always, there were always the Roberta Vinci's, the Alize Cornets, the Muguruza's getting her twice at the French open. And then obviously Kerber getting her at the Aussie and, uh, you know, it, I don't know. I mean, it's an easy narrative to fall into. Like, oh, who's going to take, you know, who will storm the beach now that the biggest artillery guns have been disposed of? I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced that that's, that's, um, that's, that I don't, I don't necessarily buy that. I, I did not see that. I getting, think it's easy. I did not get, see that com- becoming so World War II-ish so quickly, but. I've been making a lot. David <laughs> Kane can, can, can echo this as can Kevin Fisher. I've been weirdly making a lot of war references lately. Like just like a lot of just war terminology going into my vocabulary. And I don't really know where that's coming from, but there you go. I completely disagree though. I mean, Serena hasn't lost before the semis of a major since 2014. She is there taking up spots in the late stages of majors. Maybe she's not winning every single trophy, but she is absolutely there being a massive roadblock for people. And she's won two of the last three majors. So I think that her getting out of the way is a huge, her not being in the mix is a huge, huge deal when it comes to these major tournaments. It doesn't, it maybe we're far removed from a major now. We've only had one major in the last, what, uh, nine months. And so Serena might seem like more of an abstract, you know, and more of his entity who sometimes play tennis. We vaguely remember her playing tennis because she's been so invisible on tour. But I think her impact on the majors can't really be overstated in the last couple years. I mean, she's there being the player to be at all times. And when she does lose at a major, it is a titanic, you know, bigger they are, harder they fall. It's a huge boom moment. You know, I, I, I think that I'm not, I don't know that there's, because of the sort of anarchy on the WTA tour and the regular tour events lately, I think we've gotten a good preview of what it'll look like or what it could look like. 
This whole idea of anarchy is such, I'm sorry, excuse my French, bullshit. It's bullshit. You always bring this up, honestly, Ben. You always bring this up, this idea of like absolute chaos. And there isn't. It's a total myth. Maybe in the past there has been, and when there has been, I have absolutely called it out for it. But like right now, there isn't. And in our last episode, it was the exact same thing as we were like kind of recapping the the, the hardcore season and all that sort of stuff. It's like there are there are five to seven players who are driving this tour consistently. It's not anarchy. It just isn't. And the implication that it is because Serena and now it's going to be even worse. It's not going to be even worse because Serena hasn't played a ton of events the last couple of years on the tour level. I'm not saying, like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying value judgment on better or worse. I'm saying that I think for it's me, not anarchy. Elena, Elena Vesnina winning Indian Wells counts as anarchy from a results perspective. It's a surprising result. Anarchy implies a systematic level of chaos. And that's just not what you're seeing at the first like four months of the season. It's not systematic chaos. The players who are playing, okay, yeah, maybe in the beginning, you're a little bit surprised when they win titles, like the way that Pliskova won uh, Brisbane or the way that Kanta, you know, buzzsawed through Sydney. But then when you step back and four months later, look back on it, it's like, oh, well, well Pliskova won two, Wozniacki's performing well, Svitolina won two, Kanta won two, Venus is playing consistently uh, at the events that she's at. Meanwhile, you have like a slew of players like kind of coming up behind it but it, anarchy is like where you're like i don't know what's gonna happen no i don't I, I, vesnina is a result that you can point at and say no one saw that coming and that is one tournament over the course of the first four months of the season so far so i take i i, I just i'm not going to let it slide when you just like say that there's like anarchy um as though that's a given i just disagree with that like vehemently like right now I like can maybe tell. maybe there will be anarchy but right now, I just I think that's so 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 false. I just I just think the number of anyway we we had this discussion last week also, but like the number of players who are in the mix is incredible, and the number of players who are plausible winners is incredible. And that's if anarchy is too strong a word for that, then the incredible parity and you know levelness of it, whatever you want to say. A multi party a multi party political system is not anarchy. You can have as you can look at the you know the you know the German Parliament. You can have a bunch of different parties. It doesn't mean that it's anarchy. There's still a system in place. There's still something that there is a thing that's working. No, I'm just saying like that. It that, the, the the use of the words anarchy or chaos to describe what's going on in the WTA tour right now. Again, like I said, when that's happening, I absolutely will buy into that. I think like we say it all the time on the Insider Podcast. Last year in the Middle East, that was chaotic. That was not a, that was disappointing and you don't want to see something like that happen. But on the whole, there has been a consistency. So, so tagging it as, you know, in any way, like anti, like there's no establishment and there's like random crap is happening all the time. I just, I disagree with it. I very, 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 very strenuously object. Okay. Noted. Other, other thoughts on, I guess, I guess that's covers sort of where the tour goes from there or what the tour looks like without her. Um, you think it looks the same then just to wrap that up? I, I, yeah. I mean, I think on some level it does look the same and that isn't to say that she isn't going to be incredibly missed insofar as, I mean, you effectively for the rest of the season lose a incredible champion, a, the, you know, marquee name in women's tennis. Um, you, so therefore, you know, you, you might see, you know, ticket sales go down. You might see, you know, interest, particularly stateside wane a little bit for the rest of this year. 
um, mm-hmm. in tennis. So obviously there are there are economic and um, marketing you know issues that that are related to Serena you know um, sitting out the rest of the season um, and for the foreseeable future. But from a nuts and bolts forehands and backhands, I mean, these women are used to playing at least on the tour level events that Serena is not playing at. Because again, I think as of this week, she has maybe seven events on her ranking. If that, like, yeah. she, you know, she hasn't. I mean, look back on it. She played Rome. She played French Open. She played Wimbledon. She US played Open. U.S. Open. She skipped the fall. She played Auckland. She oh, she played the Olympics, but though that doesn't count towards right. ranking. And then she and then Australian Open. You know, I mean, so this idea of like she's like this ever present. Um, force on tour in practical she is insofar as she is the standard at, bearer. at the majors i think you have to put the majors in a totally separate category with how serena is scheduled in the last year or so i just think i think majors is where her absence will be felt i think on tour at rome madrid it won't feel any different okay that's what I i'm think, saying i mean yeah. it's two different it's two different things so when people kind of a, a extrapolate or project what happens in a two-week period or over the course of eight weeks in an entire season and think that that's going to be because I know that these players, those are going to be the questions that they get. What is, how different does it? You know, they're going to be in Madrid and Rome and Stuttgart and Cincy and in in Toronto and get asked, oh, doesn't it feel so different that Serena's not here? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, all due respect, but like she just hasn't been doesn't play hasn't all played, the time yeah. here. She's with us at the majors, and we're excited to see her. And she'll be number one next <laughs> you know, week. Like, by the way, we haven't yeah, I mean that. Simona and you know Simona Halep at Indian Wells. Like people were like, oh you know, Serena's not here. Do you feel that absence? And Simona was like, no, I mean, she can, she deserves to take off all the time that she wants after she, what she did in Australia. And she's going to come back and she'll probably win the French open. Like, you know, like they're kind of just used to that, um, that kind of relationship with Serena to where it doesn't impact them, like, you know, on the week to week basis. But obviously, yeah, I would agree with you that at slams, you will, you will feel it more, um, than you will on, on, you know, the week to week basis. Serena's rep today said that, in the statement, said that Serena is having the child in the fall and plans to return in 2018, which I had, I'm, I'm, that's still a very early sort of statement. We don't know what to expect. How, how much do you think it's fair to expect from Serena? Because she will be 36 going on 37 in 2018. Um at, at a, and she's already been some, set so many records as the oldest ever. She's oldest ever number one. Um, and she'll set a new record for that next week when she's getting back to that ranking. Is it, I mean, with Serena, people, I guess, could point to the fact that she's still one short of market courts, 24. Is it, should we have any expectations of Serena when she comes back? Or is it just way too far away? I think it's way too far away to know anything about possible comebacks or not. Yeah, to be quite honest, it's not something that I'm thinking about at all. Yeah. Uh, only because, you know, if... Having a kid impacts different bodies different ways. It impacts your motivation. I mean, I personally couldn't imagine like having a kid and then going back and traveling the world and, and getting back onto the grind of the tour. But I am much softer uh, in both <laughs> mentality and drive than these women. So it, it's different. But, you know, so it, it's it's almost so far away. It's not even worth speculating about, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, but that was the biggest question that I had when, when, you know, she posted the the Snapchat. I think the first thing that came to my mind was like the story is not, in my opinion, for me personally, I guess, um, and what I wanted to write about. In my opinion, the story is not that she's pregnant. The the story is what is she retiring or not, 
And that was the the big question initially. So now that it's her rep has said she does, as of right now, plan to return in 2018, then I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and we'll see. And we'll see if that happens. Yeah, and we'll see what that happens. I, you know, I, I wouldn't take anybody's word for it, but I obviously, if there's a, one thing that you've learned, you know, following Serena after all these years is you don't bet against Serena Williams. No, you can't. You never do. And if there's somebody who could do it, she could. Absolutely. No, I mean, you see what she did after the pulmonary embolism in 2011, which is obviously a very different physical experience and sort of trauma to go through than a pregnancy, which is its own thing. And you just don't know. I mean, you see that with, with players... Like, I mean, even other things happen to complicate. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Vicky Duvall, who just had a great comeback week last week. Um, and it's Clay had, Benova. Yeah, Clay Benova. They've, they've had a lot of bumps in their comebacks and a lot of things where it's not as simple as, oh, I have this thing that I'm going through and it's going to end at this point and then I'm going to be back to normal. It, it, it's not like that all the time. We'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously, Kim Kleister has made it look easy in 2005. She's also much younger. Back. She's much younger, but but I'm just saying because Clem Kleister's made it look easy does not mean that it will necessarily say be easy for Azarenka when she comes back later this year, as planned. Right. Uh, we don't know. I mean, everybody's body is different. Everybody reacts to it differently. Same thing for Sharapova. We don't know Sharapova could come back and have forgotten how to play. You know, construct points or something, or play matches or compete. We don't know. I don't expect that sort of drastic fall off, but you don't know what time will do to people and how time can change things. And time, as they say, is sort of undefe- is undefeated. Yeah, and and how the tour changes, and and does it does it evolve? Does it become more difficult? You know, does it do the quality of the players that are coming up in in the next um, the next group that that's set to take over from the the Serena generation, or or even you know with Maria turning thirty today, that are set to take over the Sharapova generation? You know, Ivanovic is now retired. Um, you know, those players in their late twenties, uh, early thirties. You know, there is that crew behind them, probably at this point led by, you know, well, if you if you count like Wozniacki and Azarenka, uh, and and Redvinska, you and then behind that you have like the Pliskovas and, you know, that whole crew. So we just yeah, it, we just don't know, which is why it's kind of like I don't know. I mean. And, I could co- I could I could put together a hot take, but it seems kind of pointless. Uh, any other thoughts on Serena before I let you go for this sort of emergency ish ep? Thoughts on where 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 we where she we tennis goes from here? Not really. I think I pretty much aired him out very very loudly and very strongly. So I I said what I had to say. <laughs> if you have thoughts, feel free to weigh in yourself. No, I I seeing I, as how I cut you off left and right. You uh you did, but I I I mean I think in terms of what the tour looks like, I mean, we talked about that last week, and it's not we didn't talk about Serena being a major player in it. So I don't think Serena being officially out changes much of that. So you can go back if you want more of that fun times. Go back to last week's episode as well. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be. Um, I'll, I'll certainly, I, I think you're right. Absolutely. When you talk about the sport missing her, I mean, she is a absolute sort of force of nature on tour and is synonymous with women's tennis and has been for a long time. And especially in the U S especially at the U S open the last few years with how much really positive attention and coverage she's gotten, how much she's brought to her sport and how people lock into her quest at these tournaments. And if you turn on like, just like sports center, the updates are not about the general U S open men's or women's. It's about Serena basically she has been the protagonist so that absence will be felt um i i do think someone else could step into it and it could be a sort of transition the same way the last time we had a number one step off tour was uh in 2008 with uh justin ennen and that that exit opened the time for ivanovich to get to number one 
And that wasn't a long period that Ivanovic hit number one, but it did sort of make it easier for this new era of Serbians to be ushered in. And it sort of closed the chapter and gave a very sort of clean start to a new sort of, you know, era of women's tennis or a new reign or regime. And that could there could be that sort of clean transition here. We don't know. Don't know what the future holds, but it's certainly, I think, a possibility. Um, so congratulations to Serena and Alexis and Aunt Venus. How cool an aunt would Venus be slash Grandma Oracine? My goodness. I think having Grandma Oracine would be really, really, really fun. Right. But I think that in the long haul, like having Auntie Venus, like in your ear telling you how the world works... I think that's pretty cool. That is, I think that's pretty neat. That is damn cool. So lucky kid, this kid, um, whose arrival, we wait for him or her. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of No Challenge Demanding. Uh, if you want to follow along when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well at NCR underscore tennis. Send us emails, no challenge demanding at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes all those other services as well. We should pick a good outro. Pressure. A lot of pressure. Hopefully whatever plays here, you guys think is fitting and poignant and wonderful. Well, on behalf of NCR, we definitely welcome the soon to be coming, the much anticipated baby Serena Williams with arms wide open. Well, I just heard the news today it seems my life is gonna change i close my eyes begin to pray then tears of joy stream down my face